In Ontario, to end COVID proof of vaccine mandates, the mandate for the proof of vaccine by the end of this month, uh, March 1st, that announcement by the Ford government earlier today. Meantime, as the province uh, forges ahead with the latest reopening and the loosening of and lifting of uh, restrictions, there's more and more concern, growing concern, over the building backlog when it comes to surgeries here in Ontario hospitals. Dr. David Gomez is an acute care and trauma surgeon at St. Mike's in Toronto and joins us now for more on this story. Dr. Gomez, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Jeff, thanks for, thanks for having me. Can you first of all give us uh, an idea? Do we know just uh, how big this backlog, how big the backlog truly is? So the Canadian Institute for Health Information has recently published a report that looked from the beginning of the pandemic up to the middle of the summer. And excluding data from the Quebec, they um, anticipate that the, the backlog is around 560,000 procedures that were not done when we compare to historical volumes. Okay, and what kind of surgeries are we talking about? Is it pretty much anything and everything? Uh, we're ta- the, the impact of COVID-19 has been universal across the system. However, uh, it has not been uh, the same across all services. Um, usually, as, as a surgeon, as a front care uh, line provider, I can prioritize my cases based on threat to life, um, threat to limbs, to vision, uh, and impact on quality of life. And I must say the vast majority of very urgent life-threatening procedures were never impacted. Uh, we were able to accommodate and organize it. But as the urgency um, and the time sensitivity of cases um, reduces, the bigger the impact. And by no means are these cases uh, non-essential. The word elective does not mean optional. It just means non emergent surgery. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, some of these surgeries that have been postponed deemed uh, elective. Is there the probability, Dr. Gomez, that sadly, because some of these uh, surgeries were put off, that they could become uh, more urgent or of an uh, emergency nature? Jeff, uh, we, we actually were able to show that recently. We were able to look at two very common procedures, uh, uh, elective surgeries for groin hernias and elective surgeries for stones within the gallbladder. And we, w- we were able to see that throughout the pandemic, um, there was a 23% reduction um, in the volume of both of these cases. And we found that for every month that we looked at in the pandemic, there was an increase um, in the rate of urgent gallbladder surgery. So we are already seeing the downstream effects of this delayed care. And is there also people, Dr. Gomez, that have been falling through the cracks because healthcare has been harder and harder to come by the last uh, two years to even see a doctor, be uh, diagnosed? Is there a fear that uh, there's a lot of people that just have not been able to get diagnosed or properly diagnosed? So one thing that we have seen is that we, we have been trying to adapt. Um, as case numbers for COVID increase, uh, we see very clearly that uh, there are reductions uh, in people presenting to the emergency department. However, um, we have shifted to non-traditional means, such as phone consultations, virtual consultations, which have become quite, quite common. Uh, this leads to things being missed. There's more reliance on imaging, um, less frequency of physical exams. So the possibility of that exists, and, and there are a, a large number of, um, of research groups uh, of which I lead one trying to identify the, the impact of this. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to the backlog, if we could. I'm sorry, you mentioned 500,000. That is the estimate when it comes to backlog surgeries? 
That, that is the estimate by the Canadian Institute of Health Information, Canada-wide. All right, so just how long uh, is it anticipated? Uh, do we have an approximation of how long it's going to take us to get through this backlog? Jeff, so we don't know. One, th- one thing that is clear is that um, even before the pandemic, we already had wait lists. Um, Canadians have always been very patient and, um, uh, and accepted these trade-offs to maintain our universally funded healthcare system. And um, in 2018, about one out of three um, uh, Canadians experienced longer wait times than, than we want them to have. Uh, for example, cataract surgery, hip and knee replacements, one out of three were waiting longer. Uh, Kaihai, the Canadian Institute of Health Information, again, just reported that that has increased to one out of two. So 50% of people waiting for their surgery are now going above the expected wait times. In our research, I, I have been able to see that we have very limited capacity to overperform. And by that, I mean, can we actually perform more, pro- more procedures this year than the years past? Our system was already operating at almost 100% capacity. We had worked on being very, very efficient for a very long time, so our capacity to overexpand is quite limited. So unless we reimagine the way we deliver surgical care, uh, we will not be able to catch up um, in the foreseeable future. Well, that touches on my very next question, because obviously with the backload of 500,000 cases and more cases and surgeries coming in and needed every day, that backlog is just uh, growing. It's being uh, added to. So when you talk about reimagining services, uh, what is it that we can do to try to alleviate this? Jeff, so there's many ways we can do this. Um, What is very, very clear is that just adding more money to the pile is not going to fix this. Um, A lot of people say, why aren't surgeons operating well into 10 p.m. and in weekends? Well, um, we would be happy to, but we don't have the uh, nursing resources to do this. Our nurses are dramatically overextended. We are losing nurses uh, by the hour, um, and uh, trying to fix this is going to take a long time. It is means increasing the, the number of nurses that go into training. It, it requires um, additional uh, resources to be able to retain our nursing colleagues. So just saying we're going to spend more money won't be the case. We might be able to transition a lot of care that is being provided in hospitals to ambulatory surgery clinics. And we run a, a large number of non-for-profit uh, independent health facilities, one uh, in downtown Toronto that provides a, a very good uh, number of cataract surgeries uh, with very high quality care and being very efficient. So I think increasing the number of, of ambulatory uh, care surgeries, uh, increasing virtual wards, uh, increasing um, same-day discharge protocols, um, and of course, uh, trying to stabilize our health human resources with a significant focus on our nursing colleagues um, are the solutions. But, uh, but as you can hear, none of these are short-term. Mm-hmm. This is going to take a while. And is this a conversation we desperately need to be having? And as we come out of, fingers crossed here, the uh, pandemic, uh, is this the kind of awakening that we need to have when it comes to uh, health care and our health care system, this you know, what you've described, what we're talking about here, Dr. Gomez, is reimagining things. And are you confident that uh, we can do that and we can get there? I, I am confident. I believe we have um, very high quality surgical and medical care in Ontario. And we do have the resources within our publicly health funded system to do this. 
Um, this healthcare backlog is going to impact all of Ontarians' mobility, fertility, quality of life, and vision. And in order to reduce the impact on this, we, we have to work uh, as a team across different health regions, different levels of government to really change the way we, we look at surgery delivery, all the way from uh, removing barriers to primary care physicians, to referring patients, to providing patients with additional information so they understand where they are in surgical wait list, to providing hospitals with better funding models that don't incentivize one case over another, and by moving cases towards ambulatory care, if we address many of these areas simultaneously and not in a reactive way as we have done over the past decades, um, we will be able to to get, get out of this significant and dramatic hole. Well, it's a big lift. It's a big ask. These are big conversations, but they need to be, uh, they need to happen. We need to have these uh, conversations again coming out of hopefully the uh, pandemic here. Dr. Gomez, really appreciate your time and your thoughts on this. Thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, it was a pleasure. Dr. David Gomez is an acute care and trauma surgeon at St. Mike's Hospital in Toronto. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.